Hello, and welcome to the Order of Initiative. This is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast where me and my friends talk about DMing and everything to do with running your game. I'm Charles, and with me today I have Nathan. Hello, hello. And Tori. Hi there. Today, we're going to be talking about home bases. But before we get into it, we're going to roll initiative to see who goes first. Six. Crit fail. Wow. This is my chance. Sixteen. Hey. Oh, also worth pointing out. Uh, last time we said we were going to talk about uh, table etiquette. We're going to table that <laughs> just for now. Uh, come back to it later. We've got more to say about home bases uh, right now. So yeah, home bases. Yeah, I, so I love home bases. I think um, that they're a great opportunity in almost any game you can run to well, I mean, give, give, your, give your party a home base. Uh, it's real nice to sort of have a place where your party can put their feet up and, I guess, feel safe. Um, and that's not always the case, as we'll probably get into a bit later. And I'm sort of just wondering, like, what, like uh, what purpose would you guys sort of put a home base in for besides sort of just... Because, you know, if you just have, you know, a place where they just sort of hang out, that sort of seems they could do that anywhere. What sort of other um, uses do you think that the, mm. these sort of features can have? I think um, home bases are a good way to sort of curb the party's murder hobos tendencies mm. um, if they are going down that route. Because having a home base ties them to the world in a very tangible way. They're not just going town to town, in to in, campsite to campsite all the time. And like, depending on what adventure you're giving them, they're probably still traveling a lot. But having a place that is meant to be home, or at least a base for the party collectively, it's a really good way to get them just more invested in the world. Because suddenly, it's not just the things they have on their persons they have to protect and care about. They have a place that A, they hopefully feels comforting to go back to, and B they should have a level of investment in protecting anyway. And again, like they can't just become murder hobos because people know where you live. <laughs> yeah. I mean, bare <laughs> there's going to be consequences. Bare minimum. You're not a murder hobo. If you are a homeowner. Exactly. Now you're just a murderer. Uh, a murder homeowner. <laughs> I don't like that <laughs> at all. I would have to say kind of the same, except for me, a home base comes with inherent safety. Hmm. Um, and I think we'll touch on this a little later on. I don't really vibe with attacking the home base more than once. Um, Mm -hmm. just because it is supposed to be that safe place. It's good for downtime, for, uh, running some stuff off screen, like, oh, we're going to go ahead and chill here for the week. And then I'll work with each player on what they did during that week. Mm -hmm. That, that kind of thing. So I like to keep it. A safe place if possible i i agree i like what you said like attacking it maybe once because i like the idea of it being this like bastion that they can come home to and not have to to worry about the outside world nearly as much so that being said once it's built up as a safe place if it gets attacked and there's enemies in their home that's a big deal yep but you can't do it all the time yep. otherwise it's just another you just to like live in a dungeon now yeah <laughs> it you you can break that sanctity like once. You know, I kind of it kind of reminds me in, in this moment of um Hogwarts. Like mm-hmm. the Battle of Hogwarts feels significant because holy 
crap, my holy fuck, the place that's been like their home this entire series is there's an actual like war going on here. Yeah. But you can't do that all the time. Otherwise, it just feels like the rest of the world. It's funny you touch on that because almost every year something happens at Hogwarts. It's true. But it's not huge things. It's minor yeah. inconveniences. Minor inconveniences are going to happen <laughs> to any house. Like, on the grand scale of things, yeah. minor inconveniences. They're pretty big. They're pretty big plot points. Yeah, that basilisk getting out and petrifying people was a pretty minor inconvenience. <laughs> you know, just just little things. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Compared to, like, the, the Battle of Hogwarts, yeah. it's, they're a lot lower uh, scale. Yes. I, 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 I personally am... I was going to disagree with you, but I think I agree with to do it like once, except I usually try and do it at the beginning when they've like just built it or mm. just sort of taken over. Um, I think I like the idea of making them earn it, right? Uh, mm. When you build up your castle in the middle of um, the Lord's territory, he's not going to be super happy that you're you're putting up a keep there and he might go try and deal with that. And you, you sort of, <laughs> um, and I think the the act of fighting off his army and saying, no, these are our lands now. You should have stopped us while we were building the castle, asshole. I think that sort of gives you a lot more um, authority and makes it, it, you know, in the act yeah. of defending this home, you've made it home. And then from then on, probably a lot more safe. Uh, I, I, I would definitely hire um, maybe a garrison to hold off incursions while you're away. But, like, mm. it's, it's never going to be this big thing again unless maybe the plot demands it. But yeah. don't do it often. Correct. Mm -hmm. I think like acquiring the base in the in the first place is something important to talk about. There's a lot of ways you can do that and and give it to the party. I think you kind of like you've mentioned. I think outside the podcast, the idea of um, finding some sort of fortress, or essentially like after you clear a dungeon, maybe it's in a good place the party can move in. Dungeons more often than not are just sort of ancient ruins of some like castle or temple where monsters have moved in. Why can't adventurers move in? Uh, I, I think, you know, when a party clears out a dungeon, it's, and if they're like, wait a minute, we could set up a home base here. Awesome. I see no yeah. reason why they can't. Um, and that, that sort of gives some great opportunity to sort of, I guess, reuse some stuff. Because um, somebody's got to design the layout of their base. But if you already, you know, wrote out this cool dungeon, boom. And it's, it's already done. They just have to probably do some renovations, clear out the corpses and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I also like the idea of it being a, like, direct reward. So if they happen to help out some, I don't know, some wealthy guy in a city who has a lot of taverns, maybe he just gifts them a building. It's mm. it's It was a tavern, but they can repurpose it for however they want. Because I think, like, location is pretty important. Um, when I think of a lot of dungeons, I tend to think of them as isolated and not near, like, civilization. But honestly, you know, you're God. Put it anywhere. Um Usually I picture these home bases being in a city or a town, uh, bare minimum. But if they're up in the mountains and you're high enough level that, like, you've got teleportation circles around, who cares? Yeah. You can, I, you can have it anywhere. Yeah. Um, but, oh, God. Yeah, in, in my sandbox game, my, like, my um, the whole thing is that everything's isolated. But the party sort of started doing this thing where they're trying, they're, as they're, like, clearing things out and making things safer, they're, like, expanding the influence of their starter town. So even though there's this this fortress out in the mountains that's all isolated and whatnot i'm uh very much expecting them to just when they clear it out saying no this belongs to us now 
they already took a fortress on a river that's like a week away from their town and it's like this is ours now but since cool. they're actively expanding the influence and the territory of their town it ends up working out because it's like they're claiming locations and taming the wilderness i like that it makes a lot of sense for that style of game too yeah i like that a lot tori do you have ways you like to throw home bases at your players or at least let them have the opportunity to set one up so in my big game that's going on right now, you guys have opportunities to have kind of like mini bases because the goal of mm-hmm. my game is to be well-traveled. Um, there is a ship that you guys can make your home base because mm-hmm. it is a lot of water travel. Um, it's more about the thought of them all being kind of interconnected. And the use mm-hmm. of NPCs to kind of keep things going. To, like, manage the base? Yeah, well, manage the bases. Send them around, yeah. make sure, yeah, that things are being kept up and stocked and trading is still going good. Yeah, that's that's actually something I was going to talk about. Like, I feel like home bases are a good place to... Make- more or less dump npcs you've collected yeah because i see a lot a lot of games where you you know you find adorable little goblin and you want to hang out with him but a lot of parties hit a point where they're like we cannot keep taking this dude into dragon lairs because he's adorable <laughs> but he's not a fighter so like having home base is a great place to just put them and have them still be accessible yes um but they're they're not literally coming to fights with you anymore agreed you also generally need people to manage home bases yes um if you're for example if you're a ship it needs a crew uh if you're it's a castle like i said you probably need a garrison of soldiers to you know make sure no monsters move on in while you're away mm-hmm. um and so it's just a great location like to just dump lots of fun npcs to play with your uh your your your, your first mate or your captain uh your uh the guy that runs the the mess hall uh got just so many like roles that need filled that you could just pick anyone and say, "Oh, I have an idea for a character here," mm-hmm. and then do it. It's great. I love it. I think I- I'm not like as a player. I'm not super into the idea of micromanaging the finances of your home base. Like, mm. I- I'm pretty sure. I think the book has a breakdown of like, or am I thinking of Colville? Somewhere there's a breakdown of like how much gold you need for these this many followers and the services your base is going to provide. Yeah, I don't love that. I'm not. That's not really why I play D and D. But I can see the appeal, especially if your party has so much gold they don't know what to do with it. It also for me it's realistic. Mm-hmm. But that's me. It definitely is because you can't just have this huge base with NPCs and and. <laughs> not pay for them and if you want to have food that costs money like there's definitely like a reason it's there and i can see the appeal for other players i suppose it is not why i would personally want uh to play D or to have a home base no agree. usually i just take base management and i do it an outside um outside the game i will never have base management sort of things be happening at the table but it's sort mm-hmm. of basically like i'll just throw a minimum like well uh, you've got this amount so just Somebody give me this much gold to manage the base. But yeah. if anyone wants to do anything like more interesting with it, like renovations or uh, organization or whatnot, I was like, just DM me after the game and we could talk about it. I just don't want to run out of the table. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel that. That's something else, though. Like, giving your players an opportunity to customize the base, it seems pretty important. Um, because mm-hmm. 
it's their home base. It's not your home base as the DM. So you want to make sure you're catering to whatever they want from the base. So either, you know, depending on how they're getting this base, you can set it up so that from the get go, they had an opportunity to decide what it looks like. Um, I've, I've flat out asked my players outside of the context of the game, hey, what do you want in this base? And then lo and behold, the base has that stuff when they find it. Just, yes. I don't know, because it's easier. Or, like I said, you, you can somehow like set up merchants nearby or give them access to people that could provide furniture, that could provide like a smithy inside the base. You want it to cater to what the party wants in there, because it's, I mean, it's their place, not It's yours. their base, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what I did when I, when I had my... Um, so they uh, had my party build a base in my sandbox game is they um, cleared out a keep that was on a river. And then over the course of the, the next several sessions, they were building up resources to, to rebuild it. They had to find a stonemason. Uh, then they had to clear out a mine. And then once they had those are basically the only resources they really needed to, you know, sort of finish it up. I just said, all right, in order to finish this, you need to spend this many weeks and this much gold per week, and then it'll be done. And from and mm. I also had basically this was, I gave them like four months of downtime to okay. to do this and a lot of different objectives they could try and spend their downtime to build towards, and so they got to choose how much of their time and how much of their gold they spent on specific features or aspects of their of their stronghold. So that sort of so they ended up building a keep, so a castle, and then a a, a tavern in it, and those are their so their primary locations in in their stronghold and then from there i said all right cool you've got a, a keep and a tavern um you you tell me what it looks like you get to design it your base your whole thing yeah i like that uh, the yeah, only problem right, right. Uh, it was be is they have not designed it yet and it's been months <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it Slaggers. so what i what i'm realizing is players don't want like i think charles mentioned this no that was out of podcast i think um Players don't want to do homework. No. They really like that they have this base. It's cool and they're getting a lot of use out of it, but they don't want to sit down and map out the floor plan of a big castle. That's my job. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think I think the strat, I think uh, I, Tori mentioned this, uh, or, or it was Charles. Somebody said this. Uh, <laughs> it's just ask, somewhere. ask your players what they want there. I think, like, I, I got the broad strokes in the resource management downtime thing we did. And now it's just for minor things. What are some things you want to have here? And then I'll just map it out. Yeah. Yeah. Like ha have them come to you with the key details and then you fill out the rest. If they have to do 100% of it, that's a little daunting. Yeah. That's I did something really similar because like I asked them like the general layout they wanted. They wanted a, a, they said they wanted like a big open air kitchen and they wanted a library and they wanted a, a like social area and a tower. I'm like, cool. And I, fig I figured out the fourth plan from there and nice. presented it to them and they seemed to like it. I like that. I, I also... Oh. I also built it out in Minecraft because... Nerd. As is tradition. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks... I don't know. It, it helped me definitely, like, and understand visualize. the physical... Yeah, the, the physical layout of it. So, it, I don't know. That was really fun to present to them because now they actually have a really solid visual um, image of how it, the base looks. I do Bigger. have to say, uh, just super fast, for any DMs who are wanting resources for help on costs... Uh, for kind of building the stuff up or for running it. There's a really, really wicked table in the first edition of the D&D DMG. First edition? Yes. Whoa. It's what I use. Um, 
it is base of operations dungeon master guide i think it's on it's in the 160s um and it just talks about like time construction costs and how long it'll take and of course you don't have to use it but it's a good like starting point Mm -hmm. it is the (laughs) og i wouldn't have thought that first edition would even consider that first edition everything it's it's you, a First huge edition. point of it too. It also talks about I don't like using it, but there are uh, things called domain events, and it recommends that there are four of them a year, and some of them are like sinkholes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, a, a plague, aspiring, like that kind of stuff. And you uh, as the DM, you can roll. There's some good stuff like resources found or treasure or um like a VIP visitor. There, there's good stuff. There's bad stuff. But there's good stuff. Yeah, there's definitely a lot. It's a lot. I feel like a lot easier to present quests to the party if they have a like mailing address, you know. Yes. Especially the bigger the party gets, the more well known they get. People are gonna know where their base is. People might stroll up to their front door and knock and say, "Can you please help save my granddaughter?" <laughs> or assassins might show up. But again, like only do a couple of those at most um but i I like quite like the idea of their base being somewhat public knowledge so that people can come to them more frequently when they need help oh yeah one of um uh, my other strongholds that i did in my sort of mainline game was they it was a manor in the middle of the city one of the party members was very wealthy and but um had fallen out of out of fortune but still their property even if it was an absolute wreck and mm-hmm. so they just had a mailbox, and they would frequently <laughs> receive letters when a word of their exploits would come out. And I, I liked narrating that, uh, it, you know, the first one is an advertisement for uh, the local um, food stand, and the next one is uh, apparently have some bills that you need to pay. So, like, they, they're getting a lot of junk mail, too, which I thought was a lot of fun. But I then, like, that. mixed between, they'd find this, this weird scroll wrapped with a silver ribbon uh, inscribed, and, and just, you know, there's the quest hook. Mm. Yeah. Delivered right to your door. Your car's warranty is about to expire. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, your caravan's warranty is about to expire. Much better. (laughs) Thank you. um, That reminds me. I think that there's so many... We kind of touched on it a little bit, so I apologize for the tangent, but there's so many fun ways you can set up them getting the mansion or the base in the first place. Um, I think... You had even mentioned, Nathan, uh, I kind of like the idea of it being in someone else's hands when you first get it, because you'll have a really intimate understanding of it. Um, what this reminds me of, I don't know if anyone else has fucking read this, at least in this group, uh, Tintin comics. In the Tintin comics, there's this big mansion that the gang kind of lives in for most of the series, but... When it's first introduced in, into the series, it's in, in, in the hands of uh, a bad guy for, like, uh, an entire, like, book of the series. It's in the hands of a bad guy, and towards the end, you find out that it's the actual ancestral home of one of the main characters, and he manages to inherit it, along with the butler. Uh, the butler was originally, like, working with the bad guy and actively trying to kill them, but then once it goes into the hands of this main character, he just totally switches alliance or allegiances <laughs> because he's he's loyal to the manor and the the family name itself so that manor was always interesting to me because it's when it's first introduced i think the characters are like waking up in it drugged and they're exploring it and there's like hidden passages and stuff and like it starts off as this creepy place but eventually it's their home and i think it could be fun to have present a similar relationship to the party in their home base like 
have the relationship to their base be totally different um, when they first meet it compared to towards the end. That also presents a lot of cool opportunities with, like you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, the exploring it and getting familiar with it as uh, as part of an adventure, so that they have that knowledge when it when it shows up. Like if you need to discover the secret passages. Uh, to actually survive and get around, that'll be real neat later on when, um, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'll just take the secret passage into Bob's uh, room to prank him or something. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 that's a real fun, I think, juxtaposition. Yeah. That, did I use that word right? I think so. Cool. You used I, your $5 I, 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 word I, I only do like 50% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, again, if if it's starting out as a dungeon you could set up a lot of ways where there's a lot more to explore. Like sure they've cleared it, but maybe there's like additional puzzles to solve or, or I, I'm blanking on specific examples, but maybe if there's something that they've only scratched the surface of some element of it, some tunnel, they can't get all the way past or some riddle they haven't quite solved yet. So there's still like sealed off passages. That could be interesting. Yes. I like that. I think one thing, uh, and I, I, this might be just sort of difference been here, is I usually like to make sure, I think one of the requirements of turning a dungeon into a secret base, at least for me, is actually fully clearing it out. Yes. Um, if there's, if there's um, any passages or riddles or something they haven't sort of figured out yet, that's not a, you know, they're not going to be able to get workers in there to go work on it because they're like, oh, you didn't open that door? What if there's a <laughs> dragon behind it? I'm not going anywhere near there. Uh, and it just sort of, uh, gives that more like extra credence like or more I don't know I, I kind of like I, I mentioned it earlier I like making them earn it and I think one of the require one of the sort of tasks they have to finish is make sure that it's safe um, mm-hmm. one thing I like to do in some of my dungeons is throw in like treasure rooms which are rooms that are maybe a bit more challenging than they should be for that party but the rewards but the prize why am I referencing <laughs> Jacob <laughs> it's like my least favorite anyway um uh but like and i've had players for in, in strongholds where they like they would open the door see blood splatters all along the floor and moving armory um uh, like armors and swords and just close the door and they had to come back to that later to turn it into their stronghold and yeah I, that's I, fair uh but you know multiple schools have thought it, it could be cool if it is you know a great sealed door that you know maybe is a, a quest hub for later yeah or not a quest hub but like a a, a quest hook be interesting to sort of have that lingering uh, with them the whole time like um uh campaign one critical role the friggin vecna shit under under mm, whitestone castle yeah. for like half the campaign yeah that was just down there i i think i definitely can see the appeals of both i like the idea of there being some weird part of your your home base you haven't quite figured out yet i also like wasn't actively thinking about this when I first pitched it, but I'm remembering now that in the the previous campaign I ran, uh, one of the party members re-inherited an ancestral home that was in the hands of a bad guy, and I didn't make this Tintin connection until, like, literally right now. <laughs> um, but also, in that home, w- once they took it over, they found upstairs there was this huge iron door that had this insanely complicated mechanism on it, like Ooh. levers and pulleys and and, like chain hooks to undo and it was this enormous complicated puzzle they had no idea how to solve and it just was this weird door for a long time that when they had downtime the one of the smarter party members would 
take a few hours to to try to solve it and he was making small progress all the time so it just became like a small project and a weird question mark in the base for them and i think that's it's intriguing if there's i think it adds a bit more character to the base agreed because and i know i get what you're saying nathan uh i guess it's hard for me to like tell the communicate to the party no you can't move in here because you didn't you didn't clear 100 percent of the rooms yet like you can't you can have the npcs come in and not want to work on it but it's you're gonna have a hard time stopping the party from moving in just because they haven't cleared all the rooms. I mean, yep, you could the- kill off NPCs oh if God. they didn't clear out all the rooms. I mean, repercussions for for careless that's, actions. That's fair. <laughs> and I think I think it does depend on the game. Like you, you could just go off and kill NPCs, but <laughs> which could be <laughs> problematic, but also entertaining. Yeah. Um, but you, I think it, there there is like I said, there is definitely merit in leaving those those mysteries and those puzzles there to deal with later. Um, I guess it's just sort of my personal system for earning them is 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 contingent on that. Also, it also depends on um, what what is left. Like if there is um, a, just an unlocked door full of monsters, it's yeah. that treasure room. That's yeah, dead. yeah, <laughs> deal with that. But if it's this great unsolvable puzzle that's contingent on plot points, I think that might be a different story. Um, yeah, I guess that's definitely what what I had more in mind rather than like a pit full of snakes. That they just have haven't done. <laughs> Jesus. Although I, I quite like the idea now of like the exact opposite where they, they've barely cleared any of it and their their base is really, really dangerous and they keep hiring like cooks because they go through them like once a week. Oh no. <laughs> keep falling into pits of snakes. I hate this. Eventually, like it just Eventually. oh man. What's that? Uh the the Countess of Blood? Who nobody oh, um, would... Elizabeth Bathory. Yes, where like in the surrounding towns, nobody would send them her daughter, do- like their daughters. The, Is this a the, real the, thing? The sur- yes, the surrounding towns, like let's say all the cooks keep getting eaten. None of the <laughs> none of the cooks in the surrounding towns will touch will touch your uh, your base. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a situation where you're you're eventually gonna have adventurers on your ass. Yeah. Oh my god, you are the BBGs. You, you have an evil base where people are dying. I mean. What's what's the difference between a a, a, a a home base, a base of operations, and a dungeon? Monsters. <laughs> you are the monsters. <laughs> I really like the idea of like your fifth cook showing up. Be like, I had a great friend who came here. I thought, did he get fired? I haven't heard from him. In a manner of speaking. <laughs> Why do I smell burning? Do you offer hazard pay? <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, there's a lot you can do to give the the base like a personality of its own. Like for example, a personality of its own. Maybe it's alive. You know, honestly, that could be really fun. Just like um, the, the the spirit of 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 the castle, uh, it could be a lot of fun. Just make you know, rather than fill your base with NPCs, make your base an NPC. Give it an AI. Oh God. Ooh. Maybe there's a, a, a maybe there's a a wizard has somehow like the wizard who made this place has tied his his soul to it so you can, he's still like able to shut doors if you're if he's mad at you and fuck with with different parts of the base that could be fun. I was gonna oh. touch on um you should have a memorable NPC for your base mm-hmm. like Batcave Alfred kind of deal. Yeah. Um, they need to be 
and this is my opinion as a DM, you do not make that NPC an evil character. They don't turn on the party. They don't betray the party. They are just a truly good character. Because Maybe a little bit I, sassy I at times. It's such a fuck. It's a trope that like <laughs> the the one person you trust betrays you and sells off your information, <clears throat> and now the base isn't a safe place to go anymore. Like, <sighs> yeah, that's not like a fun twist. It just kind of feels bad, man. Yeah, like you've just totally betrayed betrayed your party, and like. That can feel like a genuine betrayal, but at the same time, I think there's more value to be gained by giving them, like, one true friend in the world. Yes. The one person that they can go to, trust, work with, no matter what. It also establishes a baseline between you and your characters that you're not going (laughs) to hurt them with this character. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Plus, then, when you kill that NPC... Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Swear to God, with their last yeah. dying breath. <laughs> yeah. I always loved you. <laughs> oh, Alfred, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't really feel that way. I don't. I don't roll that way, man. <laughs> um, I think Tori, you had mentioned briefly the idea of mobile bases can be. Yep. Obviously, really useful. I. I hesitate to use them as much, because I think that the fun of a. At least some of the appeal of a home base is, like, somewhere to return to. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's that feeling I get IRL after I've been, like, flying for 12 hours. And I, just the idea of coming back to your own bed and, and and everything being familiar and just seeing it again. If you've got an airship, you don't really get that as much. Um, which isn't, like, inherently a bad thing. I guess it's just a difference. Um, also, I mean, having an, an airship or a ship just gives them so much mobility. Um, yes. At the same time, I think there's a a point in a campaign, if they need to travel a lot, eventually it should be fairly accessible anyway, because hiring a a wagon every couple of sessions and trekking across the land, I think gets a little old. Um, having their own ship or airship can circumvent that a little bit. I, also, I would also say, um, if you're on a ship or an airship, I think the uh, the rule about not getting attacked is maybe a little bit looser. Oh, uh, most definitely. I mean, like, if you're doing a sea-based campaign, like a maritime campaign where you're riding around on a boat and you're not getting attacked by pirates on a regular basis, what are you You even doing? You gotta get attacked by pirates. Right? I need an excuse to play the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack at any (laughs) given moment. No, that is for my, my steadfast rule of don't attack your bases is for those concrete, we've built this up. It is a safe place, a stronghold, not for not for ships, not for one of my DMs did this really cool thing where it was, uh, uh, what was, it was a scroll that they put on a door and when you open the door, it opened up to a stronghold. Ooh. And I forget what it is, but I will. Scroll of Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, maybe, but it was a good way to like establish a magical stronghold that nobody could find except for yeah. the party and it was it was really really safe and it went with them within a certain space a, cer- a certain limitation i like that mhm yeah like cuz especially once you're bringing the base out into the world you're kind of asking for trouble yes um and that's fine i think that's fun 
I in the current campaign, I've uh, what's the expression? I've had my cake and eaten it too. I don't know. You bastard. Yes. I the, the party has a home base that's stationary, and then on top of that home base, they have a landing pad for an airship. Um, the airship is much much smaller than the home base and serves more as a function rather than a location. Though it is built out, and they they have like individual cabins, but there's a lot less to the airship. It's mostly just their their means of getting around. Mm. And I think that's a pretty good like blend of both. Something we definitely need to touch on. As as neat as it is to build out these home bases and like customize them and figure out what's in them and who's in them, I think a really important aspect of home bases is their mechanical benefits or at least what you can present the party to do th- while they're there. Usually is downtime. Um, do you guys have anything like services or, or downtime activities exclusive to home bases you like to give your party? So Me neither. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was just... Uh, <laughs> Yes, I do. Um, I, I um, Tori briefly mentioned uh, the the first edition DMG uh, as as a good source of inspiration. Another one is uh, um, the Strongholds and Followers book by yes. uh, MCDM Matt Colville, um, mm. and he has laid out um, a, a lot of different examples. And I think there's a couple schools of thought here. Um, I, I'm not I, I'm not using that book raw. I'm I've sort of taken inspiration from it. But like the he there's four different kinds of of strongholds that you can build, and they each sort of do different things, kind of almost built for different kinds of characters. And I think it's sort of like you can you can either do a couple different things. You can give sort of standard gen, generic benefits that everyone can benefit from, or if you're if you're tailoring your stronghold or your your base to your party, give each of them their own sort of specific benefit that works pretty well. Like you could uh. You, uh, at the bare minimum genericness you could say oh if you spend a night here you get the you know temporary hit points for a week or something um, mm-hmm. or you could like go to specific members like maybe your your wizard gets discounts on time and gold spent to learn new spells while here yes. because they they have their their lab and there are all these different resources uh, or maybe uh, your bard can use this as a, as a place to, like, you know, if you if you have maybe a tavern, your bard can use this to spread word about the party a lot better um, and other cool things. Yeah. Uh, I think... I, I'm... Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. No, no I, you. That was done. Okay. <laughs> I was rambling. I, yeah. No, I'll, I'll do similar things, like, because um, a, a lot of the, the party has specific, like, um, skills. That's the word. Thank you. Specific <laughs> skills, and I would basically be a lot more lax about what they can do while on the base. So, like, the artificer, when they're out and about, is often trying to tinker with things and make things. But if they're in the home base, I'll, like, I'll be a lot more relaxed about what they can attempt to try to make. If they're out in the middle of the woods and they want to make a bomb, I'll be like, well, you don't really have the ingredients to make a bomb right now. But if they're home, yeah, absolutely, you can try. And I might even, like, I'll probably lower the DCs a lot, because you have your entire workshop with you and I just sort of assume you're fully equipped. Same for like a wizard researching magic or there's a scald in the party. If he wants to look up lore and different stories, all that's going to be much, much easier if they're home with their large collection of resources. It is uh, like, I think the, the research downtime activity in general, like specifically says you need to have access to like a library or a scholar yes. or something. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're in the city 
or, or you're just in your base, uh, even if your base doesn't specifically have those things, I think you should effectively get those benefits anyways, because you're, you, you, maybe you don't have a library there, but you've, you, you're in this place where maybe people know where you are, you've got trade caravans or something, and you can mm -hmm. effectively uh, get the things you need reliably. Um, there's also the matter of, I think, uh, material components. Like you said, when you're out in the wild, he's like, hey, maybe you don't have the equipment to make a bomb or cast that spell. But if they're at their workshop, I'd, I'd just say, just pay the gold cost of what a material component is and you're good to go. Yeah. I've been trying to think of other mechanical benefits because, like, I guess in, in this part, we're getting more into, like, downtime itself. Mm -hmm. um, I, I sort of like the idea of them being able to pick up skills... I think there's rules in one of these dang books. <laughs> Xanathar's uh, got a big downtime section. I think there's something about training and skills. Yeah, I, I think, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like so much gold over so much amount of time you can pick up skills. Mm. And obviously that's easier at a home base. Um, just depends. Uh, of you course. Could also, if your um, home base is some sort of business, like a tavern or something, it can earn gold for you. Yes, I was going to touch oh. on that. Go ahead. Oh, just... <laughs> get, um, get touchy. Can get touchy. Well, let's say, like, let's say you have a wizard or um, an artificer and they make stuff during downtime. You can sell that stuff for for uh, income. That's interesting. I like that. Um, Or they buy a tavern and... um. They get the minus paying the wages and stuff and if any damages that happen, your party gets to keep the income that that tavern makes mm -hmm. and reinvest it and that kind of thing. So, or let's say like the wizard sells spell scrolls, that, that kind of stuff. Like he just, he writes down a couple extra copies of blah and then sells them mm -hmm. for tons of money. I think. But that more goes for a party who's into doing that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, it, it my, really depends on your party. Yeah, if my party wanted to do that, I would probably try to condense the mechanics of it yes. significantly to the point of like if they're if there's someone who's making like uh, spells or an artificer making gear or gadgets, I would probably have them do like a basic um, skill check to see the quality of their stuff. Yep. And then another basically probably D100 check to see kind of how well business does that week. Yes. Two quick and simple rolls I don't really want to get into the, the nitty-gritty of running an entire business. I, no. I think it's easier just to get out of the way and find out how much you made. Yes. Yeah, and in my sandbox game, my party, like I said, they built a keep and a tavern. Uh, and basically all I do is for every week of, of play that goes by, whether it's spent in downtime or adventuring, um, they earn passive income. Um, I like that. The amount that they earn, I have not yet decided. <laughs> I, owe, I'm, I owe them a certain amount of money. I need to get on that. But, Pay them... Um, uh, they, I, I'm in dungeon master debt, but uh, <laughs> we're. The, the, once I figure out how much money that is is coming into the inn, and I do all the math that I don't want to do on a regular basis, they'll they'll start getting passive income. They'll have to split amongst themselves. Mm. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I really enjoy doing as a DM, and it's maybe just because I'm a freak, is I enjoy when I build my world. I build imports and exports, and they're based on the seasons. Like, when stuff mm. would be in season, they'll import and export it out. Um, 
And because of that, players have or do not have access to those kind of items depending on where they are in my world. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would just be something that I, as a DM would like to, like, I would put into my game if there was a tavern in this part of the world, would they carry this item? And if so, yes, (laughs) um, that, that just brings like, I like to bring a little bit of realism into my games. I've talked about it before. I enjoy it. It kind of, for me, it anchors in that your choice, what you do has consequences. So let's say you're in the part of my world that has this really, really rare, expensive fabric and you burn the place to the ground. You have removed that resource from the world besides what's already been made, making that resource more valuable. Um, you know I'm going to totally game your system, right? Like, I'm going to figure out what's kind of scarce in the city. <laughs> I'm going to buy some of it, burn the rest, and then sell what I have at, like, way higher prices. The gods smite you for <laughs> 60, 12 <laughs> thunder damage. I, mean, I think I think there's actually some fun things you can do with that, because yes. I feel like a lot of parties end up just having just a bunch of stuff in their bag of holding. Like, I feel like Vox Mach and I was always like, hey, we've got this, like ogre head he's been in here for a while he's been here for a long time yeah (laughs) you end up just getting a lot of like useless shit and i kind of like the idea of having a base that's like half base half second hand store yes and you start selling off all these like random swords you picked up along the way and especially if you're dm like tori who's keeping in mind the like worldwide economics of what's going on Mm -hmm. if you've if your party has traveled to like another continent and gotten a bunch of really exotic and rare plants and then you bring them back to somewhere where they're really hard to get, you could probably sell those for a hell of a profit. Yes. Like, I'm not going to to touch on what it is because you're currently in game. There's a resource that you guys are using that you don't understand how valuable it is. And I'm just loving it every time it's used. I'm like, yes, yes, do it. Pearls. No. Hey, man, I need to identify stuff. (laughs) But I, I, I actually like that a lot because it's sort of it's it's pretty fairly simple, but it can sort of be abused. Uh, and I've I enjoy stuff like that. And I I feel like I'm kind of doing something similar in my sandbox. I mentioned mm-hmm. before, like before they could even build their their stronghold or or uh, rebuild it, they had to do like two things. They had to find a stonemason, which I had conveniently placed somewhere in the setting, of course. Uh, and they had to. Uh, clear out the mine of kobold so they could have access to that so like what the resources the party currently has uh access to uh, i guess the the exports of this region are are lumber because they're in a forest and then uh, stone because they have a stone mine so like but if they wanted to like start you know um like sort of exporting gold or something they would need to go like find a gold mine or stuff like that and it's sort of like it's not something i i guess physically or or explicitly had labeled on my map but it was just sort of something i was keeping in mind i kind of like the idea of making that more of a system where i'm sort of recording this is what they have and this is what they need to bring up Mm -hmm. that's given me ideas because i talked about how if you want the base to be customizable or like something you can expand have a store they can go to but like putting it right next to your home base feels a little like very video gamey like oh that's convenient right up the street there's a furniture store <laughs> I, I think i i think i quite like the idea of setting up a lot of quests for the party that are tied to improving the base so 
if they want to get like basic the resources to enchant their own stuff they can inquire about like a local wizard who's good at enchanting but naturally he's been kidnapped and he's being held hostage somewhere so of course they go save him and then maybe he's grateful enough to move in with them and like it could be a fun way to like <laughs> collect npcs <laughs> but also to a bigger point like to expand the mechanical advantages and benefits of your home base yes there's a lot of quests you could set up for that and this, of course, is for DM and players who enjoy this kind of thing, too. Yeah. yeah well, you I, could, think, I don't know. I you could get a lot hard. of success with just having a castle that your party goes and hangs out at sometimes, and that's the extent of it. Um, like, the yeah. party castle? I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you throw rages every weekend, and it's just, it's just a good time. But... Uh, I think I think uh, if if you're into you know the the those fine numbers going on um, and and working with the resource management, I think there's also a lot to be gained for that as long as you and your party are cool with it. I think there's you'd be hard pressed to find a party or even individuals who don't want a base of some kind. It's just neat to have your own location and your own tangible piece of the world. Agreed. A, a like a little slice of a little slice of heaven. That you get exactly. to, so that sure. you get to. <laughs> well, that's how you, I think you... of my house. Like you yes. know, it's the one place in the world that I don't gotta answer my phone. I mean, that's true. <laughs> or I my door. When uh, my fiance and I finally got our own apartment, we'd been we'd been living with two other people, and we finally got our own apartment. Just the two of us. It was like, oh my god, it's it's just us, and like. Now we're ready to get out of here and get an actual house, but but also like I know what you mean. Having your own like your own place that's yours mm-hmm. feels real good. Yeah, and because like think about it, you're the dungeon master. You have control. You you control and dominion over everything. This one castle, this one ship or tavern is the one place in the whole world where the party has control. Yeah, and I think that 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 definitely feels powerful. Yeah, it's definitely why I want to relinquish a lot of control to the home base, like into the into the party itself, into the players' hands. Tell me what you want, we'll make it happen. I yeah. want you guys to love this yes. place. Well, my party's roaming around and trying to do stuff at the home base. They'll like frequently like turn to me and ask like, Nathan, do we have have sort of this here? And I like ninety percent of the time it's like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> if that's something your you you your player or your character would want to have had access to, there's no way they would have left that out in construction. Mm. I feel like in pretty much all media, if you look at like teams of of super powered individuals or adventurers in any aspect, they all have bases. You know, X Men, Avengers, fucking Doctor Who. Yeah, I don't know. Home home bases are just a a really fun way to I don't know build out a character's resources and and ties to the world. Yeah, yeah even Spider Man has his exorbitantly priced studio apartment in New York City. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I guess well, yeah, Spider Man doesn't have a whole much of a. He's got an apartment. I think like, he gets uh, his Avengers later. Towers and the X Mansion and. Um, the other thing I think is kind of fun. We I think we maybe already covered it. Huh. Uh, just the idea of the 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 base leveling with the party. So, if they get it at level three, mm. it should be vastly different by the time they're level like eighteen. Agreed. Um, and you can they can facilitate that on their own but i think it's a good idea for you to give them more resources as they go like 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 i gave them that airship um 
not right away. They had to work towards that. But even later on, I might throw in like a chamber that just has straight up portals to different parts of the world. Um, I just something to match the scale of their influence. I think makes a lot of sense. I think one uh, one you know there's you know a couple ways to do that. You could of course have those secret rooms that they weren't able to find before. Like maybe like maybe this is the the place is an NPC, and you could do that trope of it's opening its doors to them to these different chambers. Is it they prove mm. their ah. worth? I mean, another way you could do it is uh, going back to strongholds and followers. Um, uh, it has tables for leveling up strongholds, and each individual level mm-hmm. requires a certain amount of extra time and gold to spend on it. So they could just organically get new stuff, or you could, you know, uh, communicate to them like, "Hey, if you want to get build more on top of this, you're going to need to put in the time and effort." Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that could be them actively building it themselves, or spending maybe more money to have a team of builders work on it while they're away. It also makes me think of Avatar The Last Airbender, when Aang is able to finally open the doors using his airbending. Hmm. Like, that that kind of thing, like, eventually you'll have the power, means, science, magic to open these doors. But until, I mean, that, that, too, yeah. un- until that point, yeah. that's what it makes me think of when you say it like that. Yeah, like you could you could base that in mechanics if there's some barrier or door in the base that like this will only open if you hit it with a level six evocation spell. So for a good while, they literally won't be able to do it. Correct. Eventually, they will actually hit that threshold. Yeah. And like I'm on the fence. And if I want it to be like a hard mechanical thing or if you can make it more of a character moment where they figure out what to do. Yeah. Either either way, I, I quite like the idea of them getting becoming worthy in some way or another yeah you could do it something like um uh for reference please see our episode on magic items uh (laughs) something how like our level up magic items work that we talked about where you know they maybe have each individual tiers and to get it to that tier they have to do something either maybe some hard mechanical thing like a level six evocation spell or some more in character thing, like I have a, a a weapon that I'll be introducing to one of my party members at some point, where it basically on the haft says "prove thy courage," mm-hmm. and I don't know what they're gonna do to prove their courage, but <laughs> if they do something notably courageous, like yeah, fuck yeah, you get the next level. Open Hell that door. yeah, yeah, love that. I'm wondering like what the deal is with a base that's this tied to the individual characters. That'd be that'd be some lore to figure out, and my brain is trying to. I don't know, like it have to be something like really ancient and old, and and somehow tied to the party's fates, or like an ancestral home them? of one of the party members that has been lost uh, for some time could work pretty well for that. That could that'd be cool. If it was like a, I don't know, like some base of operations for Order of Paladins or something. Ooh, I like that. Into that. Yeah, there's there's just so many options for like what a base is or used to be. And Nathan, you said this about dungeons a lot. Like dungeons are rarely serving the purpose they used to. Same thing can be for the home base. Home base can be pretty much anything you think of that's just got walls and <laughs> walls and doors and ceilings. Some, somewhat secure, yeah. <laughs> I mean when you really that's think about, about it, I mean, if you go and occupy like a ruin, are you not just creating a dungeon? I mean it, it's <laughs> Are we, are we, it's dungeon. like are we are we trying to imply that we, as adventurers, are are any different from the monsters? Stop. <laughs> really, oh but when gosh. you think about it, though, it really makes you think. Oh, 
I don't want to think about that. Mm-hmm. That makes so me deep sad. I can't even see anymore. <laughs> All bases. Yeah, I think you should definitely lean on your party a lot for what they want from it because it's they're going to live there, not you. But at the same time, have them flesh out the key details and then you figure out the rest because they don't want to design every square inch of this base. That's daunting and that's homework. So Correct. And also you figure as, that out oh. for them. I was going to say, also as a player, don't be afraid to ask your DM for something, because they might overlook it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- and I think, uh, depending on the game you're running, more often than not, I think your dungeon master is going to be willing to accommodate you about on your sec- on your base. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing is that this is this is your spot. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's there's there's a lot of resource management to be gained here. A lot of a lot of fun to be have with that. But if you don't have a, a party to, uh, or you personally don't enjoy that sort of thing. It's just a place to hang out. It's I mean, at bare minimum, <laughs> that that'll accomplish its task. Frat bare minimum, it's, it's a safer place to to sleep. Yes. Also, store your goblins here because <laughs> they're squishy. Okay, all right. Now we're definitely approaching dungeon territory. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you gotta you gotta put your treasure somewhere, right? Because you've gained a lot of treasure. Yeah, obviously, and you goblins got it, are okay. treasure. Yeah, they're 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 precious. And then you have and to you put gotta... in monsters to guard your treasure. Yeah, of course. you can't just leave them treasure unguarded. And then, but maybe the monsters are enough. So maybe put up some traps and things to make sure people aren't stealing your treasure. Stop. And then, of course, you you need to personally, so you can you know be better at guarding. You need to acquire yeah. lichdom. Yes, definitely. That's the key part of any base. Yes. Uh, get a, get a phylactery. <laughs> um, oh, actually, speaking oh, of liches. God. I don't know how intentional that was, Nathan, but good, you're, not, good you're not wrong. Next week, we're talking about <laughs> liches. And how to become one, maybe. In real I mean, life. I guess that would be kidding. covered. Or, unless. Are we? Or unless. Oh my <laughs> okay. Liches next week, unless we change our mind again. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you, nerds.